This is a niche radio podcast. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or log into www.nicheradio.co.za. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome to Trader Game Money Matters. I know some of you guys have been asking where I've been and what I've been doing. Well, despite the obvious, which is the coronavirus, I've been doing a lot of writing and I, I published a book called Time Value of Money. So you guys can check that out. If you want direct orders, you can go on the Facebook page, Trader Gang Money Matters. Please your order there of Face Publishers. And you can also get the first chapter of it on Amazon. If you have an Amazon account, then it's free to, to, to read the chapter. But yeah, guys, the sample is there. Okay, so now it's time to get back to work. And today we're going to be discussing different acquisitions that have been happening around the world and the most vital ones that I feel like can be really beneficial to your trading portfolio if they're done right, okay? Usually an acquisition is when a company is buying another company. We're going to be discussing tax revenues. We're going to be discussing why it's important at this time. I feel like, you know, tax should be reduced as opposed to increased. Um, the impact of interest rates obviously the entire impact of the coronavirus on the economy because right now guys things have shattered like everything has crashed because of this virus and it has sent the economy on a down spiral you know trajectory but anyway we're optimistic about the future optimistic about africa we're optimistic about the global economic growth that will happen in the next few months to come so at the start of this pandemic although you know many of us didn't even see it coming you know it was difficult to predict if it was gonna, the virus was gonna impact the world like it did, and unfortunately, millions and millions of people have died. May their soul rest in peace. And there's a lot, a lot of healthcare workers that were taking care of other people, even doctors, that contracted the disease themselves. You know, and you'll never be forgotten, guys. The government took drastic measures to put lockdowns, okay, to make a lockdown with five different levels. So level five being, you know, um everything's gonna be closed and then level one being everything will be you know things will resume back to normality of course we're not at level one yet in fact it's really bad now because there's so many cases that have been reported already over hundred thousand cases that have been reported in south africa and you know as opposed to moving to level one i, I believe we're gonna move back to level five level five in terms of the economy if you were to look at it uh, in terms of the economy like a gradually phased recovery of the economy would include, you know, the risk level, which is determined based on the level of infection and the capacity of the healthcare system. So this system has been created through consultation and an assessment of risk transmissions of the virus posed by a sector expected in the impact of the sector. There's been measures such as social distancing that have come into play and sanitizing. This is our new normality now. You know, and obviously we have to adjust, although, you know, for many of us, like the environments that we used to operate in, in terms of business have really shifted. And this has caused a lot of regulations to also change, you know, to also change and the way you conduct your business. Basically, a reset of the whole economy has forced a lot of businesses either out of business or to re-strategize and try to find another way to, to, to operate. Obviously, there's also been travel bans retaining to work restrictions where you find people that are you know working from home and just to curb 
the virus, which has helped to some extent. And congratulations to our president, Silva Ramaphosa. But at the same time, you know, there's being more and more infections. But at least now, the public, the general public knows what they need to do in order to protect themselves. So, as far as um, tax, there's been tax cuts, meaning the government has give, has enabled businesses to pay less tax for their employees than normal. Depending on your turnover, of course. If, let's say, you have a turnover of 1 million rand, just out of my head, I think you'd pay 40% less tax to sales. Of, of course, not all businesses qualify for these kind of tax reductions and tax costs, which I feel like, you know, to, to a certain extent, it's very unfair because usually informal traders, small business owners, are not really people that even match the, the income bracket that the government has set out. So most of them don't even qualify for that 500 billion rand package, which is, you know, there is addressed by the president of South Africa that there's a stimulus package which is going to be given to businesses that have suffered and that can prove beyond reasonable doubt that they've been impacted by the coronavirus, which also it's very challenging because most businesses do not have, you know, the requirements that, that they want. Maybe the requirements can be six months, 12 months, audited statements. It can be, listen, most people, especially informal traders that are in the CBD of Johannesburg, are not really people that have registered businesses and they don't really make the kind of money that you can, you know, have a business account or anything like that, or you can officially register the business. It's just people that are selling at a very low cost and they just want to make that 300 400 just to buy their family's food and all of that which i have to credit the government because they gave another alternative to say okay if you're not working you can apply for uh, the social relief fund the social relief fund although a lot of people haven't received it not as far as i know i believe it's still on the way because i'm under the impression that a lot of guardians and mothers have been receiving their relief grants along with their children's grants. But as far as, you know, the other grants, I'm not so sure yet. Anyway, this plan was made in a way that was going to benefit South Africa as a whole. And the idea was they should have, I feel like they should have raised that 500 billion rand in another way as opposed to going to, you know, lenders like IMF, for example which was initially the plan, but obviously, you know, we're not sure what happened. Maybe they, they realized they didn't have enough money, they couldn't raise taxes, they couldn't do anything like that in order to, to give people the 500 billion rand. But, okay, so they decided to go to lenders, which is IMF and all of that, which is good because that's what they did to do. You know, the World Bank, IMF, are institutions that are there to help different countries who have been struck by, you know, different... Um, situations that force countries to to not relapse you know in situations where they could have easily relapsed or they could have easily collapsed okay so now another tax uh, relief that has been very beneficial in the past two three months is the fact that um, so there are acts right in situations such as the one that we find ourselves in there's acts that protect the country from such things as tax, as I discussed. So 
This is, for example, um, the Disaster Management Tax Relief Bill and Draft Disaster Management Tax Relief Administration Bill. So all these bills, amongst others, they, they help so that there's tax relief in terms, of, in terms of disaster. So the lockdowns were very hard on people, I must say, because there were places, you know, in South Africa where soldiers were literally beating people up. You know, people losing their lives because they were being shot at, they were being assaulted by the police. They've been, you know, there's been situations where there was an abuse of power, basically. So as far as, you know, going back to work, a lot of businesses were not allowed to open and are still not allowed to open unless if they follow strict regulations and what I would call good business practices. So basically, this involves, for example, um, agro-processing, hygiene-related matters, telecommunications sector and, and, and their regulations, um, and each business having the responsibility to follow such regulation in that particular sector. So basically the people that are working in that specific environment, there's strict rules that the business has to follow in order to, if only if it's an essential service company. An essential service can be something like, um, like a pharmacy, for example. Um, a construction company, if you will. And the contextual considerations as far as, you know, contracts that, that, were, that were made and those that were yet to be made had to be changed because they had to accommodate the, the virus. There were also reliefs in terms of, you know, um, accounts. A lot of businesses had that where people have accounts, the general public has accounts on they were, to, you know, almost forced to discuss payment plans with their, their employees because some people lost their jobs. Some people didn't have money to pay their accounts, especially during the lockdown. So there had to be drastic steps that, were, that had to be taken by the government in order to ensure that there's relief also in terms of that. So there also had to be amendments in terms of if your company, if let's say you're a business owner and your company is, you know, it has a, it has a board and has um, executive committees, there had to be evaluated opportunities for transactions which were not previously available. So mitigation of risks, managing liquidity and aligning corporate strategies, it had to be done in a specific way. It still needs to be done in a specific kind of way following regulatory and being quick to rectify underlying problems. And also due diligences, they had to be reworked logistically and there was an expectation of the kind of performance that was expected or that is expected when doing a due diligence. And, you know, amendments of such things as MRI, which is Memorandum of Incorporation. So the CIPC basically also uh, evaluated the businesses that are on their registry and those that had essential service, they had to be to apply to operate during the lockdown, of which they were given a certificate that said, okay, we can operate during a lockdown, but even then under strict conditions, as I previously mentioned. And accessing to funds and solvency and liquidity resolutions, they had to be taken into consideration in the director's assessment of the forecast financial position of the relevant company. And obviously policies and everything had to be reworked in order to fit this new normal of the COVID-19 virus. So in terms of measures and acquisitions, there's been a lot of deals 
that you know we made last year in 2019 but unfortunately some of them you know the coronavirus has presented challenges that can literally drown the deal so basically most was although we're not certain yet but most of the acquisition deals that were supposed to happen on the first half of the year in 2020 had been pushed back mainly because of also such things as purchase prices you know like with everything that's going on now and the conditions and the regulatory approvals you know the due diligence as i just discussed all of those things were impacted by the coronavirus and that means you know prices can significantly change and you know a lot of deals would would have to either be paused or cancelled in totality cancelled completely and, t- and timelines and exclusivities all those things like if a deal was supposed to let's say for example long for life which is Brian Joffe's company was supposed to finish buying just as an example a sobe by you know june i mean june 2020 The transaction usually would take, you know, a few months for the money to be paid over, especially in terms of companies buying other companies or buying shares and acquiring other companies. So this has significantly changed. That's why I said the playing field has really tra- drastically changed in terms of how how people operate. But this can be an opportunity for acquirers in the sense of, you know, if I'm buying a company, probably right now would be in time in times of financial distress when companies would be looking to do business rescues you know for operational reasons or companies would be filing for bankruptcy and because they've lost income and so forth this can be a buying opportunity for someone who's into buying businesses you know if you're in a private equity space then you'll know like you look for such opportunities in order to save jobs in order to save the company in order to to do the best that you can in order to save you know industries basically so the purchase prices can significantly change and the price valuations and adjustments would have to be taken into consideration because of the corona so if let's say for example sobe was supposed to be bought last year i mean this year uh, with a deal that was discussed last year with let's say 300 million rand they would have to relook the whole thing and cut down the price to possibly even half of the valuation amount so again due diligence have to be done properly again and they have to mitigate the risks and they also have to look for you know other potential opportunities that may come and opportunities that are presented by the coronavirus unfortunately this is just greek to someone in the, who's on the side of the street because the impact that the virus has had on on the general public not private equity companies not billionaires not people that are wealthy but the poor the majority of the poor people in south africa it has caused havoc you know i mean i just read a case now rest in peace i'll get his name but you know he was submit, submitted to hospital because of corona related issues as they said but when he got there he even tweeted the health minister to say look i haven't had food in 48 hours and unfortunately after that he died may his soul rest in peace these are the kind of challenges that are faced on the ground in the field not in the boardroom in the field the impact the virus has had on a normal person an average person in the street has been devastating we need to pull together to help one another so rest in peace to Shonisanani Litole who was 35 years old who was submit, admitted at Mbisa hospital with breathing difficulties so people like Shonisani were people that were 
contributing to the economy because he was an entrepreneur. And by that, it means he could have possibly, if he wasn't already doing it, created jobs, saved a lot of people, and helped a lot of people. But unfortunately, this was not the case. So this is medical negligence in terms of the hospital because not feeding a person for 48 hours, although they admitted to a public hospital, is ridiculous. And for him to, to be suspected that he had coronavirus, only to find that there was no, no proof even. It's really heart-wrenching. So rest in peace. Follow hashtag Shonisanani Letole on Twitter and let's try to, you know, hold people accountable. You know, these institutions have to be held accountable because they were negligent. They were very, very negligent. While on that as well, rest in peace to George Floyd, rest in peace to everybody who lost their lives due to, you know, brutality, specifically police brutality. We really need to take action and we really need to look at these measures and have peace, peaceful pro- protests in order to address these issues so that they can be addressed and the government can do something about it. For more, visit www.nicheradio.co.za.